You're listening to American Citizens, a Manchester City podcast by American journalists. Sterling. Tight, but he keeps it in, and De Bruyne is there! And it is dead level now. Manchester City are still alive here. Balotelli, Aguero! And now here's your hosts, Josh Webb and Gray Papke. Hello and welcome to a special non-Tuesday edition of American Citizens, the American, filthy American Manchester City podcast. I'm Gray. I'm with Josh. Hello, Josh. Hello, Gray. How are you doing today, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Better than Belgium. Uh, it's not hard to be doing better than Belgium. Well, <laughs> I, can't, I can't decide. Like, would you rather be a fan of England right now? Or if, I think I'd rather be a fan of Belgium because there really is a solid team there where I think is England is a lot of young, decent players, but I don't know that they're yet world-class or maybe even will ever be world-class, whereas I feel like Belgium, uh, many of those players have already long established themselves as, as pretty potent weapons. So I think with Belgium, you're just like, if we could get rid of Wilmot and get somebody else in. I was going to say, whatever, you're, you're having a better day than Mark Wilmot. I think we can agree on that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not hard to have a better day than Mark Wilmot's right now. <laughs> so, on that note, um, we're here off schedule a bit because Manchester City have been a bit busy in the transfer market, and we didn't want to let that opportunity pass without getting some thoughts in on that. So, we're going to start with Nolito. We touched on him briefly in our debut episode, but he has signed for about, I believe, 13.8 million pounds, whatever his Spanish release clause was. Um, I'm going to start with a question that's a bit silly, perhaps, but it was legitimately once the release came out and all the de- details of it came out, it was the first thing that I that struck me, so to speak. Do you think there's Go any on. Do you think there is any significance to the fact that Nolito has been given the number nine? Um, it's definitely possible. I mean, because that that struck me as a bit strange, considering he's a wide player. And while I mean, there 
obviously it's not an instance where, well, we have to stick to the the established numbers. In football still, the number nine generally means something, and it generally goes to a goal scorer, a center forward. And I died of probably reading far too much into this about how Pep might plan to use him, but I thought it was interesting. Yeah, I don't I, – I think with Pep, so many of the positions on the field are, are really interchangeable, and there's no such thing as a set number nine or a set this or a set that in, in Pep's uh, system. Um, you know, if, if somebody's got the hot hand, Pep's not afraid to toy around with the lineup and interchange his parts. So um, – you know, you can place as much stock as you want in that. I still don't. I do not believe in any way, shape, or form that Nolito is a replacement for Aguero. Um, but I, I, I do think that there is significance to the number nine in that Guardiola is stating he, to to Nolito and everyone else that Nolito is going to be an important player. Like, just how important and in what capacity he will serve Pep remains to be seen, but I'm sure that the the, the number is a byproduct of, of how important Pep sees him uh, 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 to, to his overall plan um, here at Manchester City, you know. Uh, I, it just when I saw this, and I know we talked about it briefly, it just reminds me of Thiago. He's getting somebody who can be an on-the-field translator sort of conduit and, and get people lined up right, positioned right for what they're supposed to be doing in an offense like this. And with the 13.8 release clause, like, I mean, it's stupid easy money, you know? Like, I mean, it's so simple. Like, it makes a ton of sense. Uh, um, and, you know, ASON, I thought on, on the agenda, the, uh, you know, City Watches the Agenda podcast, uh, I thought he made an outstanding point in that, Signing the Lido, you, if you look at, and, and people were complaining about this too, that Nolito isn't like this world-class player, that they all expected Pep to sign, you know, nothing but world-class players across the board. <clears throat> I think that aside from, from the value that he provides as a translator, so to speak, for, for what Pep demands of his players on the pitch, uh, I, I, I also believe Nolito is not a world-class player, but what he is is a player that is experienced enough, understands the system, and can mentor Raheem or Sané. Like, neither of those guys, because if you're to believe the press, then Pep Guardiola called Raheem Sterling after that, that, that loss where they got dumped out by Iceland. And Pep reassured Sterling of his importance to, to the club and was like, look, dude, you know, don't let this screw up your day before you get back here. We, you know, we got big plans for you and you can't be coming in in a funky mindset because everyone else is going to blame you. I think that by bringing in the Lido, it signals to those younger players like, hey, we're going to bring along somebody to mentor you 
but, uh, you know, also somebody that's capable of playing, but he's not such a big name that you necessarily need to worry about him and at his age stealing your position on the out and out. And I think that that shows to Sine and Sterling and De Bruyne that these guys are the future of, of Manchester City and that Pep sees them as integral players, but he needs to bring in guys who, who are talented enough and know what he wants to do to sort of bring these guys along a bit quicker. I think on that point of world-class signings, there's a certain hunger amongst the fandom for a signing of that caliber. Now, obviously, we're not going to sign five. You're not going to sign every world-class every world-class player. Every sign you can't. Every, not all of your signings can be world-class. But I think part of the annoyance is that. Before last summer, the last player that City had signed that you could really say was complete world-class signing would get into any team in the world was Aguero. And I think even De Bruyne last summer, really, the recognition didn't come until after he had signed. Um, as you recall, he was the uh, $60 million flop in the Bundesliga. But, haha. Um, but I think that there's just sort of people got very excited about Pep and they heard the names Pogba and Kroos and, and, you know, some people are still dreaming on Lewandowski and they were expecting, you know, all right, we're going to make a big splash. We're going to do something big. And the first two signings are, you know, Gundogan, who, you know, I don't think he's like regard. He's a really good signing, of course, health assumed, but not. I don't think anyone would go there and say that is a world-class statement of intent, and Nolito isn't either. But at the same time, I don't think they're done, for one thing. And for two, I think that this is a nice little bit piece who can, A, push Raheem Sterling. Because last year we saw a lot of, and I know there were a lot of injuries last year, but there was also a lot of times that they didn't really can have... I, can I ask you a question, too? You can you can ask me a question, yes. Why why on earth does every manager insist on using Raheem Sterling as a left winger? I don't know. Like this I really is, don't know. This is, this is what I struggle with. You, you know, and, and you look at Sine... And I believe he he's a left winger, right? He's a wide it, player, it, at least. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I know he's a wide player. He's a wide player. I think he can play on either side. But you look at Sterling, and I and I often wonder why he's not moved to his more natural position when you it, when if the 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 completing of Sene is is done, you you utilize him on the left with. Uh, De Bruyne obviously commanding that number 10 role playing in there behind Aguero. Um, and, and you obviously hope that at that point, Sterling has progressed enough such that he, along with Sine, are, are in theory too much for 
offenses uh, or defenses to handle. But even if those guys develop, it, you're you're right. There's a certain lack of panache about it, isn't there? Like, even if all of them are healthy and, and, and playing fairly well, the you know, a front line of Aguero, Sine, Sterling, and De Bruyne doesn't exactly scream MSN, you know? Right. And I, on, on that point, I think Sterling is actually more versatile than people give him credit for because he had a lot of success at Liverpool playing off the strikers under Brendan Rodgers. Um, but, you know, I think people, and I don't, I think that actually attacking player was not the, uh, a position that they needed to make this huge statement of intent at this summer. Um, because, if they were, we both agree, Obama Yang. Yeah. Um, but you know, you look at at least on reputation, Silva and De Bruyne are considered fantastic players. You know, whether Silva is healthy or reaching the heights or whatever, that's another discussion altogether. But the, the, I think the uh, concept of them as being world class exists. I don't think they need a bunch of world sign to sign a bunch of world class attacking players this summer is basically my point. And I think that guys like Nolito will do just fine because you know, you're if once you start signing really top class, you know, wide players at least, or number tens or who whatever have you, not like forwards, out not forwards, then you're starting to displace people that don't need to be displaced. So I'm all right with this for that reason. I'm I'm all right. I'm all right with 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 uh, the overall idea that you don't need to 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 bring in a bunch of world class players. Where I differ is that I think you should have, uh, and I'm fine with Nolito acting as a veteran presence. But I do think that City do need to add one or two more world class players. Uh, to to their starting eleven, I do think that when it comes time for you know Champions League and in your European League play, you can tend to get bossed around by clubs that just have that little extra bit of quality. <clears throat> and I think that that's something that City are lacking. Uh, now I don't know that they need to necessarily go out and do that up top. Like I said, if, if if you're not coming home with Obama Yang, I don't know that there's anybody out there that that gets me going. You know, especially you when Obama Yang when he was on the table. Like you, you mean Obama, Gonzalo? You mean Gonzalo Higuain doesn't get you going? <laughs> oh, he gets me going. I'm just not <laughs> sure that the 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 direction he gets me going is is productive for conversation. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, there's I can't I can't think of a player right now that I would want less as as a backup striker than Gonzalo Higuaín. Um but uh when you look at the midfield, I I Gundogan is one of those fantastic players that I think uh you know, you, you with what they paid for him and I know we had the podcast on it so I'm not going to spend too much time rehashing it in the interest of time. But Gundogan 
is is already a fantastic player, and were it not for injuries, there's every chance in the world that he would be considered a, wor- a world-class center mid at this point in his career had he been healthy the entire time. Um, but they were also, like you said, bringing up names like Cruz, like Pogba, and, you know, they went out and signed Aaron Moy, which we should spend just a minute or two talking about, but Moy is not Kroos. Uh, he's certainly not Pogba. Um, and he doesn't really bolster City's midfield in any significant way. In fact, a lot of what I've read on Twitter is that he'll be sent out on loan. Um I don't know why you bring a guy over just to send him out on whatever. Yeah, uh, I'm skeptical that he ever plays for Manchester City, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I. Uh, so I, I don't know where they're going to get these players because they already struck out on Laporte. Um, this Stones deal looks like it will get done, but Stones is just not a world-class player yet. So... Even even if this even now is Tiago Alcantara, the, the rumors are starting to pick up some significant. I, I love this as they say across the pond. The rumors are hawking up um, about Tiago possibly joining Guardiola at yet another club. Even if he did join, I still don't think Tiago falls into that world class category. Um, so. I, I do think that City are missing that that extra little bit. You need to have somebody like a De Bruyne to bring this thing home. Um, I don't know where you you get it or what you get, but I, I'm just not impressed with the class as a whole, given <clears throat> what I think City knew their needs were coming into this and, and how it, they – they shrunk their own damn list from the get-go and then missed on the players that they wanted. Well, in that case, you really have nobody to blame but yourself. Yeah, and I actually I think central midfield is where the, you know, that impact signing, that's where they need it, I think, more than anywhere else, which is why I was so on board with the idea of a Tony Kroos coming in, which I'm not ready to give up on that dream yet, but it doesn't really sound like it's in the offing. Um, but I think ultimately City's transfer strategy both this summer and last summer is buying world-class potential and not world-class present, if that makes any sense. Because oh, it, they, they, it makes total sense. I... I... And, and maybe I should have been a little bit more clear and, and then this would give you a, a easier way to answer. I know that they're buying potential. I'm saying that they need one or two actual fully developed talents to bring them along. I can accept Melito as a guy who can help get your wingers to play more consistently and, and, and develop. But if you want world-class level, then you need to have one or two damn world-class players. No, I I agree with that, and I think it's something of a strategy that Bayern 
adopted at times under Guardiola as well. The difference being Bayern already had the world-class starting 11 that City do not. So I think that I just, I will, I will be disappointed if we don't get one signing this summer, at least one, that everyone can agree an established player, a world-class, you know, someone who will turn heads. If that's a cross, I don't know. If it's something else, I don't know. They're running out of options. I will say that much. They circle back and get the deal done with Obama Yang now that it looks like Dortmund basically been picked over at this point. I don't know why City just don't come in with an offer and say, look, man, you you already have to rebuild. Like, who are we kidding here? Like, why don't you take this money and spread it out and get yourself a damn good squad for next year? You know, I, I just... I, well, I, I truly don't. think that Obama Yang is a guy that you get now. Get him now. I also don't know why an Obama Yang, seeing what's happening around him as the club that finished second in the Bundesliga is just torn apart from the out, outside, why you would not try to agitate for a move. Because, you know, obviously there's still quality there, but... If your ambitions well, are... Well, and they signed some there. decent talent. I mean, they signed... Yeah, Ustabay, but, they you know... Sebastian Rota. But you're right. Sebastian, I mean, Sebastian Rota and Mark Bartra are hardly replacements for Ilkay Gwindawan and Matt Pummel. <laughs> okay, I, your point is well taken, but <clears throat> at a certain point, I don't know how... Dortmund were ever going to get a replacement for Mats Hummels. Like, Manchester well, City, yeah. if, if the market were there for a world-class center back, I think that they would be leading that. Well, of course, but I, the basic point I'm making is if you're Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, um, you know, and you're not like, say, a Marco Royce who is been exceptionally loyal with Dortmund and has a connection with the club. I mean, Aubameyang's only been there for a couple of years. He's not some Dortmund lifer that we're dealing with here. So I'm a bit surprised that he's not agitating. Maybe he is. Maybe he wants Real Madrid, which is entirely possible, and some sources have said accurate. But um, I just, you know, Basically, I, I think we're in agreement that City can sign all the like the the depth players that they want and pay for potential as much as they want, and that's fine. But you have to be that you have to be using a world class base as a foundation to do that, or else you're just buying depth. It's, it's not iron sharpening iron. It's like bronze sharpening iron or something, you know? Yeah, right. yeah. It's look, I I I I really cannot stand those people who think and this this goes for all sports. It's especially in like college football and recruiting where it's like if you don't sign a five star at every position, you've somehow failed and it's just that is, it's so, it's 
so illogical, you know, I don't even know where to begin. Um, first and foremost, like, the, the, even if you do sign those players, there are no guarantees that they're going to work out in your system. We've seen that happen time and time again. And then the player moves on, and then they start doing well again. <clears throat> there are so many different things that go into it that you have to accept that a lot of times it's better to, to, to play to the strengths of what a coach does. And in, the, in this case, it's giving Pep Guardiola the opportunity to develop talent and, and, and to bring talent up through the youth program, which, by the way, is, is thrashing a lot of anus um, at, at, uh, at the lower levels. And <clears throat> um, it's, 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 allowing those kids to get bled in and, and to really use what you have moving forward. So uh, I, I think that it's more about having that veteran presence is I think what we're, we, we both agree on. Um, and, and I would just like to see one or two world-class players brought in per window Um if nothing else, because you understand that you're eventually going to lose one or two world-class players per window. Like this year, it's likely, or if not this year, next year guaranteed, it's likely to be Yaya Toure. And whatever fans feel, however people feel about him, he is most certainly a world-class center mid and has proven that time and time again that he can be the difference maker in a game. And you know, uh, uh, there will be more. Eventually, Aguero is going to move on. So it's you, you want to have those players to replace players, and that's my only concern. I think that goes back to the recruitment policy that City have operated under for the last several years because they just sort of seem content to let that core get older and surround them with, you know, kind of bit part role players, some of whom were successful, some of whom were not, but they weren't really buying young. And now they've started to buy young, but that world-class core has started to shrink. So they're kind of caught in between, I think, because, you know, every time they get, they, they get, they finally start signing guys to replace the world-class players probably two years later than they should have done. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's basically, Martin, you know. Martin D. Michaelis in no way, shape, or form needed a contract extension. No, did, no. Did, did not, did not, did not need it. No. Um, and I, you know, it's funny to me, too, that some fans were saying Pablo Zabaleta, like, let's give him a contract extension, you know, one more year. And I'm sitting here thinking, why? Why? Like, if you already know that Pep Guardiola wants to operate with a limited squad and you allow Pablo Zabaleta to take that at, uh, 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 let's face it, even if he takes a, a pay cut, he's still going to make some decent wages because he's Pablo Zabaleta. Um, I, 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 you, you, you take away that spot on an already limited squad from somebody who could definitely benefit from it, probably deserves it a little bit more, and may make more of an impact than him. 
you can't run a squad. You can't make um, decisions based on sentimentality because that's a really good way to screw yourself over for the foreseeable future. So, you know, I, in the coming years, some people are going to have to make some difficult decisions. I think this is the first summer where those are going to start to happen. And, you know, at some point you need to stop being sentimental and you need to think, well, what is best for the football club both today and in the future going forward? And I think that they've just sort of been content to cling to that aging core. For the last three years, they've been kind of static. They haven't really wanted to upset the apple cart for whatever reason because, you know, that's another downside of bringing the world-class players. You can't have a bunch of them because they're all going to want to play and someone's going to be unhappy because they're not playing enough. So they seem to just, all right, here's what we got. Let's augment this with what we can get. And it hasn't worked as well as they would have liked it to, I don't think. And now we're here with a lot of older role players who are on very high wages and are just very difficult to move on that you're trying to replace or upgrade on. And it's very difficult to get them off the books to augment the, the, the stars, so to speak. Especially without eating some of the contracts, if, you know, that which may end up being what City have to do to move some of these parts on. But in the interest of time, because we only got about five, six minutes left here, um, right, I want right. to get I, I want to get your thoughts uh, since I've done a lot of talking today. I'd like to ask you. Uh, Denaire got his chance today uh, with Belgium. Uh, it did not go well for Belgium. Wound up losing three one to Wales, um, and and probably more than the scoreline. Uh, I mean, it, not that the scoreline doesn't suggest domination anyhow, but Wales fully deserved to win that game. I mean, they were out and out the better team by a significant margin, which is rather alarming when you consider the subject we were just discussing in world-class talent, but it goes back to the points we've been making about this tournament, that team concepts are dominating individual play. Um, What did you make of Denayer's performance, and do you feel that it was as a result of of him or other things? Yeah, both. I think he's a work in progress. I mean, there's no disputing that. At the same time, he was thrust into a very young back four with a coach who didn't seem to have a tactical plan whatsoever. So I think... It would be foolish to overreact to it, but it would also do everyone well to kind of tap the brakes on the, hey, maybe Jason Denayer can be a first-team player next season for Manchester City. I'm not really prepared to make that commitment yet, and I wasn't before, and I'm still not. Um, No, I don't think this was all his fault. I thought Jordan Lukaku was worse than he was. I thought that their marking as a team in general was awful. 
but, you know, you could see the physical attributes. I think it's just a matter of getting him more experience, getting him in a good team, getting him, you know, to play with the players of the class sufficient that they think he can become. I think that is, you know, I think that's more important, but I'm, I think he should, I think he has a role with the first team next season, but I don't think that anyone should be relying upon him as of yet. Yeah, he's not going to be one of those guys that that comes out of the academy and is all of a sudden, you know, dominating things left and right. Um, He is a work in progress, as you mentioned, and there's still much to be done. Um, But, you know, uh, I'll say this. Uh, regardless of what city do, regardless of whether or not they're able to, 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 to finish the transfer business with stones, um, I remain convinced that Pep Guardiola will improve that defense simply through development. And, uh, I am going to hold on to that, um, uh, for as long as I possibly can. And uh, hopefully by the time we uh, reconvene again on Tuesday, uh, there will even be more transfer business to discuss. We can only hope. Well, we will have him kept speaking on the record by then, so that's very exciting. That's true. All right. Yeah, we will. All right. Well, that has been our emergency episode. So we hope you enjoyed it. We will be back next week with more and a more comprehensive discussion about a lot of things, including probably anything interesting Pep says over the weekend. And we're going to be talking about Raheem Which, Sterling again. Which, by the way, if you live here in, in America, NBC Sports will be live streaming. So if you want to see the official Pep unveiling, which you can bet your ass I am going to do, uh, you can check that out on NBC Sports. Yes, you can. 10 a.m. Sunday, I believe, Eastern Time. 7 a.m. All right. California. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right. It's this okay. I'll been... just wake up with a little pep in my step. Hey. All right. We're ending this now just because of that. It's over. <laughs> this has been... American Citizens, episode one and a half. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again later.